In the past three years, the number of threats against federal judges have more than doubled, as have threats against prosecutors and other court officials. I must state in stark terms that the current and evolving threat environment facing the judiciary constitutes a substantial risk to our democracy. Really important words. That was the head of the U.S. Marshal Service testifying yesterday on Capitol Hill about the threats facing America's judges. Director Ronald Davis says now more than 450 federal judges in 2023 received serious threats. That is more than twice the number just in 2021. Two years ago, Congress passed a law to protect federal judges by allowing them to shield certain personal information from public view. And that law came after years of relentless advocacy from our next guest, District Court Judge Esther Salas. What we cannot accept is when we are forced to live in fear for our lives because personal information like our home addresses can easily be obtained by anyone seeking to do us or our families harm. Salas's advocacy came from a place of deep tragedy and grief, the loss of her son, Daniel. Danny was the love of our life from the moment he was born. From the moment that little boy came to this world, he was the center of our universe. But in 2020, a gunman who had once represented a case in her court and found her address online, went to her home intending to kill her. Instead, he killed her beloved 20-year-old son, Daniel, when he answered the door. Danny was downstairs talking to me, as he always did. He said, keep talking to me, Mom. I love talking to you. And it was at that exact second that the doorbell rang. And before I could tell him, let Dad handle it, he shot up the stairs. And the next thing I hear is, boom. And then I hear, no. I remember running upstairs, and, and it was so loud. I almost thought it was like mini bombs or something. And then I saw Danny lying perpendicular to the door, holding his chest. And she lost her son in that moment. Her husband was shot three times. He survived. And Judge Esther Salas joins us this morning. Your strength is <clears throat> remarkable. It really is. And for people who don't know, right behind you, that is a portrait of your son, Daniel. Talk about your fight right now in his name as we hear dire statistics like that. Well, you know, good morning, Poppy. And, um... We continue to advocate for increased judicial security all across this nation. Um, we, have, uh, we have to do something. This isn't getting any better. We see now with the new statistics, we heard from our United States Marshal Director Davis um, about uh, the rise. It isn't getting any better. And um, we now know and we have the evidence to say something needs to be done across this nation and in all U.S. territories to protect all judicial officers, local, state, federal uh, judicial officers. What? And so Mark and I continue to do what we need to do to make sure his memory is alive, but to make sure that all judges are safe. Democracy mandates that. And that's why we continue to do what we do, Poppy. Um, and it is critical. We see now, I mean, we have so much evidence post Daniel's murder. You know, we have seen Judge Romer, a retired judge in Wisconsin, 
killed by a man he sentenced in 2005. We saw Justice Kavanaugh's near miss in that same year, June of 2022. We, we saw, uh, you know, Judge Wilkinson just last October killed outside his home while his wife and child were in the house. Uh, we continue to just see uh, evidence. I mean, Judge Holfus in Nevada and that attack right on the bench, it's escalating. It's getting, you know, more serious and we need to act and we need to work collectively to protect democracy and to protect all judicial officers. What do you think is the onus on politicians not only uh, to pass more legislation, right, like the law that you got passed in Daniel's name, but also in terms of the words they use about judges. I mean, we've heard, for example, former President Trump being very critical of not only judges in his cases, but court clerks. I wonder what your message is to politicians. My message is to everyone, actually, that we need to get back to civility. We need to begin to start to treat each other with kindness, words matter, conduct matters, how we treat each other, that matters. And, you know, I think that we've sometimes, we've, we've lost sight of what it is to be, you know, brothers and sisters, yeah. you know, humans, the, what, what life means. I know what life means. I, I have a daily reminder of what not having my son means. And so for me, I just wish we could all get back to a point where we talk uh, to one another and we agree to disagree and we start treating each other um, like human beings and realizing that we're all one and the same. You know, I, I just long for those days. And I think that message is for everyone, yeah. for everyone that, that uh, is hearing this. Let's get back to being civil in this country. And let's get back to understanding and agreeing that I'll hear you out, you hear me out. And at the end, maybe we don't always agree, but, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah. You know, that's what my hope is. You know, my hope is that we can begin to love life and love one another um, and, and treat each other with kindness and civility. Somehow your faith has led you to a place where you have forgiven the man who took your son from you. And you've said something I will never forget. You said, hate is heavy, love is light. How can we all yeah. find that? through our faith or in our hearts? You know, I think that to, when you think about how you feel when you're extending love, when you're being kind, you can feel that in your, in your body. You can feel how it feels to be, be a good person, to be kind. And then when you aren't and you're angry and you're resentful and you're bitter, you know, you can see how you feel. And it's a real heaviness that really, you know, just surrounds someone when they're feeling that way. And that's the way I felt when I was walking around. My husband forgave the shooter in the ICU. I, it took me a couple weeks, uh, but I remember the day I forgave him. I remember the day that I bowed my head and I said it three times that I forgive him. And I remember how I felt lighter, how it changed, my perspective changed. You know, I'm, I'm always, you know, going to know that someone did something to take away my beautiful boy. But I'm also going to know that I had 20 years with him. 
And I shared 20 years, beautiful years with my son. And he continues to inspire me. He continues to give me light. He is the beacon of light that keeps Mark and I going. And so I just want to be there. I want to be in that light. I want to be positive and I want to try to make this place, in whatever way I can, a better place. And so I, 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 um, I, I once said, and I say it often, Daniel, in his human form, gave Mark and my life purpose. Mm. He still gives my life purpose, except he shines it on others. And so, you know, we continue to, to try to do what we can to help other states follow New Jersey's lead, help other states, you know, use the federal law as a template. Let's start enacting laws that are going to protect lives. Let's start shielding personally identifiable information of judicial officers so that they, so they and their family can be safe. Can we guarantee this will never happen again? No, of course not. But can we make it hard for people to track us down and, and, and shoot us in our homes? Yeah, we can do everything possible to make it difficult. Democracy mandates that, Poppy. You know, life is so precious. Let's guard it. Let's protect judicial officers and let's protect the sanctity of democracy in this country. Judge Esther uh, Salas, thank you so much this morning. And no doubt he is not only behind you, but looking down on you, so proud of what his mom is fighting for. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing this story. Of course.